Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello everyone, it is Monday night and tonight I am delighted to introduce you to my friend Nicole Dees, whose brand new book, All That It Takes, releases tomorrow. So I'm honored that she decided to share part of her release time with us. And this is your opportunity to learn more about Nicole and her contemporary romance that has wonderful women's fiction types of threads as well. And you get your money's worth with her books. Look at all these pages. So Nicole, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, hello everyone. And thank you so much for having me. This is such a, a treat and um, it's a privilege to share this uh, launch with you, Paris. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's uh, All That It Takes comes out tomorrow, and it's been kind of a big push all year to get this. You know how that feels like when you work on a project for what feels like forever, and then um, and then birthday day comes, you know? So this is, uh, it's, a, it's a real treat to have it upon us, but yeah, so I'm, yeah. and yeah, I write, uh, like you said, um, inspirational contemporary uh, romance, and uh, with women's fiction friends. That's, exactly That's what awesome. <laughs> so first off, tell us which book is this for you? Uh, I, I just counted with my kids the other day. Um, I think this is 14. I think this is oh 14. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't think I realized you had that many books out. And one of the things we don't talk about in publishing is getting your first contract is a big deal, but getting that second, third, and fourth contracts are equally exciting and almost more so. So congratulations, book 14. Yeah. So yeah. how did you come up with the idea for all that it takes? So all that it takes, um, I have it right here too, so I keep looking down. I'm like, all that it takes, I'm talking on the, talking on the desk. Um, all that it takes is kind of a uh, spin-off a little bit. It has some connecting characters and um, kind of a connecting world as uh, All That Really Matters, which is um, the book that came out previous to this. I should have had it on my desk. It's all pink as opposed to this being all blue. And so this is actually the two secondary characters um, that are uh, yeah, uh, the brother um, of my main character in All That Really Matters uh, is Miles, who is my hero in this book. Um, and then uh, Molly, who is my heroine in All That Really Matters is um, Val is her assistant. So they're kind of um, two, two secondary characters that get their time in the spotlight in this book. So I love that. And I, I know I've had it happen and clearly you had it happen with this book where you're writing one book and all of a sudden some characters kind of start waving their hands and going, hey, I've got a story to tell too. And I think as readers, sometimes we can be like, say what? I, I'm not quite sure how that works, yeah. but it really does. And so how did you know that they were gonna have their own book? At what point as you were writing the prior one, did you go, oh yeah, yeah, they're going to definitely have a story. Or was it someone else who helped you see that? So it actually was someone else. Um, I write pretty closely with uh, Connie Connellan Cassette and Tammy Gray. Um, we have kind of formed a little 
you know, critique alliance. And so I was writing one day, I was probably about, I always knew that Miles McKenzie was going to be the hero in, in this book, um, just because I set the series up to where Molly, who is my heroine in All That Really Matters, uh, Miles is her twin brother. So I knew that it was going to be a sister brother um, deal, but I wasn't, I was really kind of thinking way outside the box for um, who was going to be, you know, who is he going to match to? And, and I was uh, about three quarters of the way into all that it takes. And um, one day Connie was critiquing something I had written and she's like, you should have Val be the heroine. And I was like, I should have Val be the heroine. So it was so funny, like how everything kind of started to align. And, um, and then of course I kind of had to go back and really make sure that, um, I wasn't writing myself into a corner as we also do. Right. Um, before, several times. So kind of had to make sure, you know, that, um, that is, that a secondary story could really work with her and it, it did. Yeah. Well, and it was, what's been fun is I have not read the other book yet, although it's sitting on my Kindle. Um, so I can't wait to dig into it, but Diving into this one, you've done what I love most, where it's a, it feels like a standalone, yet I can tell if I'd read the prior book, I'd be like, oh, it's so fun to get to see, you know, these characters again and kind of build on it, but I'm not lost at all. I mean, I, as an author, I can go, oh, okay, I kind of, I've pretty quickly figured out what probably happened in book one, yeah. but I'm not lost, instead I'm intrigued. And so, oh, it was that easy to do, or did you have to was that planned or did it just kind of happen that way? Um, so I did have to, you know, you just kind of create those connected dots. Um, as you said, you know, it's kind of like, what are the dots that I need to have for this story to make sense? Um, and really to build that intrigue factor, you know, into the first book. Um, one thing that was funny though, is Molly, who again is heroine of, um, all that really matters is very extroverted and, um, just kind of this, you know, outgoing, um, very right there on page, you know, kind of personality. And Val, as you know, is, is more mild, um, definitely more introverted and, uh, and just kind of a quieter disposition. And so I really had to right away, I knew that I could not have Molly in a whole lot of scenes because she just takes over. And so I kind of knew like, I'm going to have to create a place for Molly to be while <laughs> while Val gets to set the stage for her own story. And um, so she does, obviously Molly pops in um, many times, but I knew kind of right away, like Val, Val really needed the space for, uh, to be introduced properly, you know, to the readers and to really kind of create and take her own stage. And, and really that's what so much of her story is about anyways. It's really about um, being vulnerable enough to, to tell her story and to recognize that she has a story to tell. So. Yeah, and I love that because I think there are so many people, I know there have been times in my life where I've been like, I don't really have a story. I, I don't have anything worth sharing with people. And I think that that's one of the, I guess, themes or tricks that the enemy likes to do is kind of like take away our testimony and our story, because if it's not big and dramatic, then yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're tackling that in this book, because it's something that many of us have related to, but you've also got this theme going on about all that it takes yeah. is one person. Yeah. So where did that come from? Where did that kind of bubble up as, oh, th that's what's going to be going on in this book? Um, it actually was a little while in um, to the story. And 
I've been a part of uh, just, you know, being a part of our local church and, and several different ministries. My husband and I have worked in ministry. My, my parents were in ministry. Um, and so I've been a part of all kinds of different small groups and things like that. And just being able to sit in a group dynamic uh, so many times and, and listen to people's stories, you know, you really get a feel for uh, what a blessing community is. And I really feel like of, of everything that I will hopefully ever write and everything I have written, there is some um, community oriented connection. You know, I really, I really feel like God does his biggest work, you know, through the hands and feet of others. And so, um, yeah, so there's a, a really pivotal scene. I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a pivotal scene in this, in this book, um, just about the halfway mark where Val is, um, in a situation where she kind of is observing um, a group of women share about how it took one person uh, to kind of bring them out of a, a difficult season, a hard place, um, some moment where uh, just one person being that link in community um, really launched them to a whole nother place in life, um, whether it be in their healing journey or whether it be um, a connection with God or whether it be really like a physical, tangible um, felt need that's being met, you know? And so yeah. that's really kind of this exploration throughout um, throughout Val's journey and, and really her recognizing like that she gets to also be that one for somebody else. So that's awesome. And I think that there's this really deep hunger for a connection oh, that yeah. the last couple of years have reminded us or taking people who are introverts and they're like, I'm fine by myself. And then we've realized, okay, I'm fine by myself, but I still need other people or extroverts like me. I mean, that's why I started book talk because I'm like, I need people. Yeah. And so yeah. that idea that, you know, there've been so many people who've been on their own um, for the last year, two years, or maybe their whole lifetime. And I feel like this book is one of those that kind of throws that lifeline of, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. You can still be private. You can still be quiet, introverted, whatever word you yeah. want to use, yeah. but still have a story to share and still be worth other people approaching. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. You so know? another thing that's going on in this book, and Again, I mean, we are getting our money's worth because there's so much. I love it. I love it. There's so many books where I'm like, oh, it ends so fast. And this one, I'm just savoring because there's so much going on inside of it. But there's that idea of, and it comes up really fast with the hero, the idea that, you know, there's, if you're not doing this for God, then you don't have value. You don't have worth. And again, it's another one of those tricks or lies that the enemy likes to to apply to us to say, well, you don't really believe you're not really worth anything because you're not fill in the blank. Yeah. So did that come in part from sometimes it's just the characters and that's where the themes come from, or is it something that also grew out of your personal experience? Um, a little of both, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've kind of been in and out of, um, different ministries, uh, for many years kind of seen uh, the inside, you know, the insider's view as a pastor's daughter and, um, you know, worked in a church myself and uh, in different ministries and things. But really, I was thinking a little bit earlier that uh, growing up inside of a, a kind of a, a more legalistic type of church, I remember very clearly being at summer camps, even when I was, you know, fifth and sixth and seventh grade. And it was like, okay, everyone, pray. And at the end of this prayer, you're going to decide like, 
are you going to be a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor? Like those are the three things, you know? And I was like, Oh man, like that's how I have to serve God. Like those are my, those are my three options. And, um, and so I think even though I grew, you know, I, I, I obviously grew up and, um, was still going to churches that there was always this pull that was like, if I was really, um, if I really had a heart to pursue God, like I would fill one of those categories. And so even becoming a writer, um, in my, you know, at 30, I really still felt that kind of, um, that kind of, I don't know, pull, pressure, tension. Um, yeah. And so as I was writing Miles and, and because I've, you know, had, you know, been on staff and, and have, um, you know, most of my friends I have either worked for a church or have been on staff at some point, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of tend to have those circles. Um, I knew a lot of that struggle. And so for Miles, you know, his, one of his big struggles is just, uh, that he also has had almost this, um, this hierarchy, you know, of, of spiritual hierarchy. Like these are the categories, like if I'm really going to serve God, um, you know, to the, in the biggest way, in the boldest way, then it's got to fit into this. And, and really, you know, the cool thing, um, I think about these two characters is that Val is the opposite of that, you know, she's, um, and yet her, the, the way that she actually serves um, and loves, you know, really kind of out of this, you know, love your neighbor as yourself mindset um, really is such a beautiful um, contrast to, you know, the, the big, the bold, the, um, you know, this, this call that just seems, you know, let, let me just do the most extreme, you know, kind of call to serve God the best. And she's over here just you know, loving well, um, one person. And, and I think, gosh, like there's just such beauty in that where the Lord's like, Hey, I have actually called you to the community that you're in. And I think we can forget that sometimes. And sometimes that always actually that starts at home first, right? That's those fears that you work out. And, um, and so that's really, I, I try and just drill down, like there is no hierarchy, you know, that God wherever you are, God wants to use you and, and whoever you're around, God wants you to be a light to. And so that's Absolutely. really what I'm trying to break through in that, in that barrier of just saying, Hey, it's not always about these big extreme, you know, calling. Sometimes it's just, it's, it's right here. It's, it's what's God doing in your heart that you can be a blessing to others. Well, and I think that that's, I, I very much remember being told, Oh, well, you must not really love God if you're not going to be a missionary or a pastor's mm -hmm. wife. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I really know what God's calling me to. And yeah. that's not it. But right. I was stubborn as a 16 year old. So I could kind of go, no, I, I hear what God's telling me. Um, and yeah. for me, that looks like being a university professor and writing books. But I always say that that's right now. Who knows in five years what it's going to look like. Yeah. And right. I love that Miles is also dealing with the death of a dream because I think everybody has experienced that. And that could, those can be the hardest times to find God and to just be like, okay, where are you? What's going on? Did I miss you? And all those questions. So I love that he's wrestling with things like that. So we've had a, a couple of questions come in. I asked if people have read your book and some, including your dad are like, well, yes, I've read them all. And others are like, yeah. I love that he was like, I'm her dad. I should have, which I, I like, I love that. That's awesome. But others are like, I haven't. So which one should I start with? And I think that's a great question for people who are listening and tuning in right now is, should they start with this one? Or is there another one that you're like, oh, that's a really great introduction to my writing? Um, yeah, I mean, they could absolutely, like you said, this, uh, all that it takes is, can absolutely be read as a standalone. Um, 
if you want to read them a little bit more sequential, you could start with All That Really Matters first, um, which is Molly and Silas's story, and then move, like there's some connection there between um, the siblings and a couple of side characters. Um, so you can move that way. Or I also have um, Before I Called Me Mine, which is a book about, that has some personal connection to our international adoption story with our daughter. So some people like to start there. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind of like asking which one's your favorite child. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my favorite child depends on you know the week really, or maybe <laughs> the hour. I don't know. Yeah, like, some days like that. Yeah, and for readers, it's always helpful for authors if you start with their current book, especially if it's just coming out, because that's how we get additional contracts. But then to go back and read the ones that you've missed is always a great idea. Um, so. Another comment I just have to share with you. Someone's like, love the earrings. And they are, they are awesome. Um, my, friend Bobby, my friend Bobby Beats makes like almost all my earrings, like 99% of my earrings she makes. So I always advertise her. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You'll have to drop a link in the comments later. Um, but a couple other people have asked, are your books in audio? Yes, they are. Um, almost all of my books, I think that there's maybe a couple novellas or one novella that's not, but um yeah my my waterfall press books and my bethany house books are all on audible and all that it takes will actually be on audible tomorrow as well and it's very fun because the last two books um have had both a this one and all that uh, really matters have both a male and um female narrator so that's really fun to kind of have oh, that, that is. point of view yeah that's awesome because that is not normally how they're done. Usually it's one narrator who does the whole book. I know. So. I was just giddy when I was like, oh, there's two. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, even though I'm reading it, I'm going to have to listen to audio just because that intrigues me as well. Um, yeah. And someone mentioned, and I think this is such a great point that she loves that Miles is in the ministry and we get to see how he questions how he's supposed to be serving. Because I do think sometimes we'll put people in ministry on this pedestal that they number one, probably don't want. And number two, um, it then makes it, you know, like you said earlier, you know, they're holier than thou. They've got a real calling. The rest of us don't. And so you're lowering that. Yeah. He is very human. So uh, he's, he's uh, a very, yeah, very real. His struggles are very real. And I think yeah. you're right. That is exactly what we can do is um, we can think, oh, that's, you know, a pastor doesn't struggle with that or um, someone that's in full-time ministry doesn't struggle with that. And I think that's just, you know, I know that that's wrong. And so, um, you know, I really try to, to make Miles um, very relatable and, you know, to those who have worked in the ministry and those who haven't, you know, I think it, he's a believer and a believer means that we struggle, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a great point. So um, another question, and then I'll get back to you because I want to talk about your adoption story a little, but okay. someone asked, do you have any advice for newer aspiring writers? Like what's that one piece of advice that you got or that you would give that you feel propels someone from starting out as writing to, okay, now you're starting to get traction. Uh, okay. Um, I really, I have one, this is probably my biggest one. And um, it's actually what I have to pep talk myself with um, even 15 books in. Uh, but I love to start here because I think it's so um, important that I, I feel like in my early days and even now um, in 15 books in, I still have 
this, you know, temptation or this tendency to look up from my work and to focus on what other people are doing, right? Like, um, oh, this person, this, this thing's happening in this person's career, or, you know, I'll even take it to, hey, I'm on first draft writing, which does not look like final draft writing, you know, like first draft writing is ugly writing. Um, and so I think as, as creatives, we can, you know, be really, um, critical. I can be so critical of my own self. And so I feel like the Lord is always saying, keep your, like, kind of like, keep your eyes on your own page, you know, like keep your eyes focused on what I have for you and stop There's space, you know, God will make room and he'll make space and he directs. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my career is just when I focus on what he's asked me to do, um, his next steps are so clear and obvious for me to take. So keep like, don't judge what you're doing now in first draft writing by someone else's final product, because it was never going to match, you know, and then, and then really the other part of that is, is keep, uh, you know, no one's going to tell the story the way that God's asking you to tell the story. And so, um, just like I could not write your books, never, ever in a million years, I could not write, you know, Connell and Cassette's book. Like no one would ever want me to write biblical fiction. That is not my realm. You know, um, I'm so glad it's hers. You know, it's blessed me so much, but that's not my world. And so this is my, I've had to just go, this, this is my thing that God's asked me to do this. This is where I'm called. And so keep my eyes, you know, on my own page, keep your eyes on your own work. Um, and God will bless you for that. Like that competition and that, um, that critical spirit is not from him. Absolutely. And that's great advice because it's so easy to do, no matter if you're just starting out or you've been at it for 35 or 36 books, just going around and going, why hasn't this happened? And so I can't tell you how many times God's told me the same thing. Keep your eyes on your page. Keep your eyes on your story. It robs your joy. It does. It does. Yeah. And even just being aware that, hey, this is a risk and it's a trap. And so just or pulling yourself out of it as quickly as you can and going, okay, I'm starting to do that again. And that's not where I want to be. That's not how I'm going to find joy in this journey. So um, great advice on that. And uh, someone else has said you and your books are such a blessing to so many. And it's, it's true. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, is your book before I called you mine. Um, I think most people know I'm an attorney, but I also teach full-time at a Big Ten university. So the only area of law that I still do is adoption law. So when you and your family were going through your adoption journey, you better believe I was watching. So what was that like? And then it became part of a book that you wrote. So sometimes as writers, we try and keep those very separate. Here's my life. Here's my books. And yet with Before I Called You Mine, it really came together so how did that play out in your in your writing in your thoughts kind of how did that all come together I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out a concise way to tell this because you know I am a novelist so I'm trying to go how do I summarize (laughs) (laughs) well we Um, already know you like words because your books are generous on the word side (laughs) yeah I've got to put them on a diet they're a little they're a little chubby let's be real um so really the, the, the boiled down version is that, um, I had just, my writing career had just kind of, um, come into some 
traditional contracts, like it was really picking up speed. And the Lord had uh, really called us to adopt. We had known that for a long time. There had been lots of starts and stops. Um, and so, but, but it had kind of been off the table and that's a whole nother uh, story, but it had kind of been off the table for a couple of years. And then um, it came back uh, by my husband who was like, Hey, let's talk about this. And I was like, let's not talk about this. Like we have moved on from this realm. And, um, anyways, so through a lot of running like Jonah, which I was the Jonah, uh, you know, I knew, I, I really felt like when we were going to pursue international adoption, we were going to pursue, um, uh, we wouldn't even know Lucy's face at this point. Uh, we just knew kind of the agency we were going to go with. Um, I felt like I was going to have to lay down writing. I didn't, I didn't, I knew what was involved in adoption. We had been in all the classes. We had had lots of friends adopt. So I, I couldn't see a way forward in adoption that looked like me continuing to write full time and adopting a child. And so really it was this surrender, which a lot of my books have that theme because God's asking me to do a lot of that. Um, and so it really had this surrender of that. And then, um, so I really did. I, I it's, this is crazy, but this is the God honest truth. Um, the day we had submitted a request uh, into Holt International, which was our adoption agency, um, to get more information on a little girl that had come to us via email, uh, and that I had been waiting for four months to hear about a potential contract with my publisher at that time. The morning, the morning, the Monday morning, um, that we got the file to look at um, Lucy's file uh, and all of her kind of medical history and her past and, every, and everything where she was in China. Um, one hour later, I got a call from my agent who said that I was just offered a two book deal. Oh, and that's so amazing. Yeah, it, which is really, it's a different, it's a different uh, choice and before I called me mine, but it's very, it's similar opportunity. I guess it's two good things, right? Because I, I think that God often works like, you know, it's not really much of a choice when it's like, here's the great thing. And then here's this not great thing, like choose, you know, it's like, yeah. no, here's two really good things that mean walking through one is, is kind of closing the door on the other. And so um, I remember telling my agent at the time, like, I have to turn that down. I think I just saw the face of my daughter. Like those are literally the words out of my mouth. And she's yeah. like, okay, you know, and so um, that, that pursuit happened. And then I really did lay writing down for, uh, almost a year. And then, but while we were in China, that the idea, I was watching all of these single women come in and asking them their stories. Cause you know, I, I was adopting with my husband and you know, of course we had two boys at home. So the story kind of started to churn itself, um, inside me. And then I came home um, and I had no contract because I wasn't, you know, there was no, there was no real future. It was really just a story that I needed to tell that I like, so on my, on my off nights or when I felt, you know, inspired, I would just go and write a little bit. And then, um, a, a bunch of really cool stuff happened, you know, later, but really I wrote that book with no contract and not, not even sure if it would ever be something that would be published. Honestly, That's it was for me. Amazing. It was for me and the yeah. Lord. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I love that because we all have those seasons and yeah. to be willing to lay down a dream for another yeah. dream yeah. is not easy. And so yeah. for God to then kind of say, okay, and here it's back is just so sweet yeah. that he would do that. Yeah. So and really awesome. for God to marry those two things. Like here yeah. I was for, you know, a year and a half, like 
running from the idea of having to lay it down. And then the Lord's like, actually, I'm going to bring it back. And you're going to not only get to publish a book, but it's going to be about adoption. Like, you know, it was just, I could never even plan that myself. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. So thank you so much for joining me tonight. And I love that all that it takes is releasing tomorrow. Happy book release day a little bit early. Thanks so much for joining us and letting us learn more about you and your books. And um, I wish you just the best when it comes to this, because it's a wonderful, wonderful story. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you, so be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com, and you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series, as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you.